Hello and welcome to this latest episode and the last of 2021 from iGaming FM, the online betting and gaming sectors talk radio show. It's been a busy Q4 so far, hasn't it? SBC Barcelona, G2E, IGB Live, Betting on Sports Europe, Sigma, iGaming Next, and in the last fortnight alone, both the SBC Summit North America and the WGES in Barcelona. It's hard to pick a favourite child, of course, but for what it's worth, it was great to have IGB Live back, while iGaming Next and SBC North America really stood out. SBC's New Jersey event in particular was really something. So, to business. Later on, we hear from Martina Akelin, CEO of betting operator Triggy, who chats about her first impressions of a sector she joined last year, as well as what she's doing to inspire and unearth more female leaders. Squaring the airs, Robin Hutchison sits down with Seren Kachatrian, founder and CEO of startup Technomin, and a name familiar to many from his time growing first BetConstruct and then Digitain. But first up, James Bennett chats with Huddle CEO Francesco Borgasano and Andy Wright, CEO of Sporting Group. All of that inside just 30 minutes. This is not just another iGaming podcast. Tech startup Huddle and the Sporting Group recently agreed a new partnership. And squaring the ears, James Bennett spoke to the company's CEO to find out more. He also handles the intros, as you'll hear. So with me today, I've got Andy Wright, who's CEO of Sporting Group, and Francesco Borgasano, who's CEO and co-founder of Huddle. So thank you guys for joining us. I know you guys have uh, obviously signed a, a sort of a technology partnership together very recently, under a month ago, that will see Huddle work on a series of projects to further automate and drive more efficiencies and revenue across some of the Sporting Group's main betting products and markets with a particular emphasis on the US and Canada. So I wondered if you could just give us a bit more insight and a bit more detail now the dust has sort of settled on this and what it means and how it's going to develop. Yeah, sure. I'll go, James. Morning, everyone. Firstly, I'm delighted to be able to work for, with Francesco and the Huddle team, many of whom I have worked with before, and some I even provided them with their first opportunity in the sports betting industry at Labrooks as part of my quantitative trading solutions team there when I was trading director. So to work with individuals that you not only trust, but have demonstrated to you how they challenge the norm in terms of technology and look to create new ways of tackling complex solutions is, is very rare. And I'm very much looking forward to how this partnership evolves in the future. Yeah, I confirm I'm one of those people that <laughs> came into this industry thanks to Andy. And time at Ladbrokes was a great learning and an opportunity for growth. Just to explain what Andy said, we at Huddle consider ourselves a tech company and a, a tech partner. So the idea is to work in conjunction with the product development team at Sporting Group to basically identify projects or opportunities that could still deliver value to Sporting Group and that they're not necessarily on top of their priorities or they may not have the bandwidth to tackle all this. So the idea is that working together, we can accelerate the roadmap and accelerate their expansion plan while gaining experience, gaining exposure, generating revenue. So as I said, we are approaching kind of the B2B space, I would say in a slightly different way. Like we, we really pride ourselves to be like a tech partner rather than a service provider or a product provider. We work very closely with the product team at, at Sporting Group. I guess that kind of feeds nicely into the next question around 
Francesco, why did you opt to partner with Sporting Group as your debut technology partner? I think that the most important reason is that, as we all know, this industry is a very competitive industry and it's also important to establish a reputation and brand. So for us, it was important to align ourselves with a brand that has already a very strong reputation, both in Europe and now expanding North America, and also a pedigree for excellence in trading and risk management, which is the area where we think we can add further value. And of course, I also know very well the way Andy think about technology and you know it's forward thinking in terms of bringing automation and innovation in the in the trading space and he already mentioned that during the first question this was also kind of what we accomplished back in the Ladbrokes and as I said for us was very important that the first partner was someone that think the same way we do and also had a very strong reputation so that could also elevate our reputation. And Andy, uh, you know, Francesco has touched on the fact, you know, you're very interested in innovation and automation. You're at the cutting edge of technology. You, you've always liked to push the boundaries. How do you see Huddle fitting into that as you grow in North America? We at Sporting are not short of innovation and, and have a, a very packed pipeline of products we are eager to release to our partnership base globally. But in order to help us accelerate that, Huddle will be focusing on some of the areas that are pertinent to our North American customers on sports such as basketball and American football. These projects will be quite discreet by nature, but will surely expand as the market matures in the US and Canada and the individual demands of each of our partner strategies develop. And that's very key for us is when we partner with an operator, we want them to be invested in our pipeline of products but we also want to solve the obstacles and, and, as I've said before, the complex problems that exist in building a sportsbook operation in the market today. So I see Huddle as a key part of that. I know that obviously North America is fairly new for you guys, but can you give us a bit more insight into what the brand will look to achieve next year and what are the sort of key milestones for you there? We will continue to leverage our reputation as being the experts in pricing, trading and risk management to capture business globally, not just in North America, but the way the market is in North America at the moment. It's very, very different to, say, Europe and Australia, where sporting has a, an already significant footprint. We're seeing customer behaviours, for instance, in Canada as being quite tribal in as much as they're more loyal to their teams, more loyal to their sports that are relevant in Canada, such as ice hockey, as an example. In in the US, however, outside of college, betters follow players more so than teams such as LeBron or Brady. So the customers are more transient, so to speak. So how we deliver a differentiated product to our new partners is key to our success in this market and something we've already demonstrated in Canada by launching two very different sports books within a week of each other with Play Alberta and ProLine in Toronto. So this demonstrates to the market sporting group's capability and with the support of our parent company, FDJ, something we will continue to leverage in the future and obviously with the assistance of Huddle as well. Mm, okay, exciting stuff. Look forward to seeing what, what you guys uh, achieve next year. I'm sure it'll be big things. But um, Francesco, you've also you've just celebrated your, your first year at Huddle or the first year of the business as, as a whole. Your birthday, I guess, as such. What would you say have been the highlights this year? I'm actually calling from Zagreb, which is one of our office locations and when we are the bulk of our team. I think the biggest milestone is the team that we assembled. We went from four to 30. Like today, we have 30 employees spread across, as I said, three locations, so Miami, London, and Zagreb. We are very happy of the talent that we managed to attract, both in terms of 
let's say, raw talent, like junior talent out of university, as well as our serious and senior experienced executive and people from the industry. So very happy about the team that we assembled. Of course, the partnership with Sporting Group is definitely a milestone and something that we wanted to achieve, find a first early adopter with a strong reputation and a ready footprint in this industry that could further validate our proposition and further validate our vision. And then I would say the third aspect is the fact that we already have, even if you know it's going to take some time to actually go live, but in terms of product milestone, we have a product which is stable, which is you know ready to go into market. So for us, again, this was very important because being a venture-backed startup, one of the key messages that we wanted to make, to send to our existing shareholders and potential future investors was our ability to attract talent and build products, which is what you want from a startup, as well as demonstrating that there is a product market fit in what we're building and there is a demand in what we're building. So I think with those three you know, achievement and milestone in the first year, we managed to give this strong message to our existing asset shareholders and investors community in general. So I'm very, very happy and proud of what Hardwell has achieved in this first year. Yeah, absolutely. What are the top, top priorities for you next year then for the business? I think in terms of priority, we're still focused in expanding our team. We project to grow about another 50, 60% the size of our team. So we, we're working with few partners to accelerate our growth in that regard. We do have a few more customers in the pipeline. So there's going to be a few other announcements in them in the coming weeks. So I think a few more commercials, expanding the team. And also we're starting ramping up our effort into our next fundraise. So we're probably going to go back to market Q1 next year to, to do our next fundraise or round A. So I think those three are the area that we are focusing on for 2020. Yeah, difficult to, uh, to look into a crystal ball, I know, but what would you say, maybe what would you predict for your, both your businesses for next year as well as the industry as a whole? If I can have two predictions for the industry, I think M&A will continue as the cost of doing business continues to rise within this sector. I believe that the part of the value chain that both Huddle and Sporting Solutions inhabit is very niche and expensive to enter. So trading and risk management at Sporting is our heritage and is born out of our market leading trading capability that goes back over 25 years. Huddle's AI and data capability is exciting and something they are rightly focusing on and coupled with, dare I say, their good grounding in the industry, Francesco, they had at Labrooks, is something quite powerful and is why we wanted to be part of their journey. In addition to that, my prediction, I think, is integrity services and responsible gambling measures have to become more prevalent in the US as I think that that gold rush of activity we are currently seeing will dictate tighter legislation in the future if we're not careful. So I think that that will be something that will come to pass in the new year and we at Sporting have some exciting products around responsible gambling that hopefully we can discuss early in the new year when we're closer to launch. I think that's an interesting point probably a separate podcast around making responsible gambling products exciting. Francesco what would you say? I, I definitely agree with Andy on the M&A however I think one of the predictions I have is that so far especially in North America the focus has been mainly on the customer acquisition market access and if you look at all the financial statements and results for the past few months that's been the trend with an increasing in handle that a GGR staying flat or even decreasing in certain cases so I think starting next year operators and the industry is going to start shifting focus more on the product technology side because 
I think eventually the product and the technologies is what's going to drive the sustainability and the profitability of the of the industry and the business. So I think there's going to be a bit more attention on that on that aspect, and that's also the reason why we we very much focus on that. And I also expect an increasing cross pollination with media uh, in, in the sense that in the US, this interest on fan engagement and entertainment very much unique for this industry we already seen some entering the space but i think we're going to see more media companies being very active in a, in a sports betting or trying to monetize through sports betting their media customer base Thanks there to Francesco and Andy and also to James on interview duties. Seren Kachatrian has built quite a reputation for leading and growing new businesses in this sector. Understandably, the industry now watches his new project Technomin very closely. Square in the Air's Robin Hudson spoke to Seren about his leadership style and the importance of strong leadership when growing a business, not least during these troubled and unpredictable times. So hello, Seren. Nice to speak to you again. Hi, Robin. Nice to see you. So, Seren, you're well known in this industry as a leader, um, as someone who has led various platform providers over the years. Your latest iteration is Technomin, who we're looking forward to seeing and hearing more of at ICE in February. But what's probably less well known is that you've spent a lot of time outside this industry as well, where no doubt you will have come across leaders in your, your other careers. Who were your leadership role models over the years? And both inside and outside of the industry, who has influenced you the most, would you say? It would start with my young years. I think as leaders, we should take the risks and full responsibilities of our decision. And this is something that I've always admired my uncle, who empowered me not to be afraid to start uh, journeys from the scratch which I did numerously. At university years in Birmingham University, Professor Hansen at the Center of uh, East European Studies, he sparked in me hunger of knowledge and opportunities that existed in the CIS region, which then would become the focus of my future career. I think wisdom is an important factor that leaders should possess. And Professor Hansen, although it's been a long time, we are not connected, is the one who drives me to learn new things always. My first professional career was in a startup, and I was lucky to work with the founder of the firm in person. Uh, he was shaping his company in Dubai in early 2000 and was an extremely hardworking man. We would start with him at office at 8 and would uh, work till midnight. Our evenings after dinner would continue at his villa in home office, auditing daily invoices, checking stocks uh, for the next day's sales, planning supply orders and sales strategy. Uh, this was my first job and I was excited. I have learned from him multitasking, importance of involvement at all the processes within the firm. When you are starting a business, I think it's not only about the vision, it's um, about ability to roll up your sleeves and do it yourself. I've never had any taboos in relation to the work that I should do. In gaming industry, without mentioning the names, to me, behind all successful firms are exceptional teams. There is one operator in particular whom I strongly admire, and I know them since 10 years. Still, the core team is the same. 
I have great respect towards companies who can create culture and motivation that has gravity to keep people for their lifetime. And maybe it's a very old concept that exists in USSR and it is disappearing in Japan, a so-called lifetime employment system when you are expected to stay in the company till retirement. I have a belief that as a leader, it is possible to create environment where people will consider it as a part of their life. And I always say, if you are a successful firm, how can anyone in your company have a better opportunity as well? In our industry, I admire those who put employee in center and build business around people and their networks. Interesting. Okay. So now you and I have talked about the pandemic recently that we've lived through and are living through, in fact, and we're all looking for leaders, whether it's political leaders or medical health people to to show us guidance during that pandemic. But what about leaders in the betting and gaming industry specifically? And going into 2022, which is just around the corner, how is that role changing, do you think? Robin, since COVID started, uh, we do not travel. There's been only two free expos uh, during the past years. Previously, two expos taking place in an average a month would be norm. Now we naturally spend more time communicating with teams at the office or remotely. This brings an opportunity of greater engagement in work, which is good. I think overall there is a much higher uncertainty and concern about the future. So you need to communicate more with teams to build the confidence about where we are heading. If previously that communication would be projected for certain external events that we would participate as firms. Now there is a silence and very little show. It's more important, the internal communication. In 2022, I think it's going to be even higher growth in online than what we have seen post-COVID years. Who's on leadership, a very important role of driving that change to adapt to your environment, possible new lockdowns, more remote work, adopting cloud solutions and managing smoothly these globally distributed operational and client structures. One of the things we've always talked about Square in the Air is company culture. I'm very keen that company culture is something that people understand and feel very much a part of. And obviously, with people working remotely, that makes things more difficult. But in terms of leadership and the style of leadership, how important do you think that is when it comes to company culture and employer branding, which we're all trying to do as well? Employer branding, when we talk about how employees view the company and how externally we are perceived, this also shapes the culture. What important is leadership style is to prioritize transparency, listen and take into the consideration everyone's opinion. Make sure they are free to speak to anyone in management. I always had an open door policy. Any of my employees can walk in to discuss an idea with the transparent glass door. At some point, there was even an internal joke that what is the point of open door policy if there is always a queue? But then this brings a challenge, which is the next thing, is to encourage self-management, to drive the freedom to people to take the ownership and do their work. Because at the end of the day, it's hard to break anything in the system. It's better to try to fail in general failures cost less than if issues are waiting there in a queue. What we do, we focus on developing knowledge and skills to delegate the responsibility to employees rather than micromanagement of tasks. So 
with this remote work and the changes, I think this is the way forward that will help us to create that right and joy branding. Interesting. Now, we've all had good and bad leaders in our time at different companies we've worked for. But what, in your view, makes a good leader? And what should people in your position be uh, striving to achieve, do you think, when it comes to leadership? A good leader is a person who can be very creative, innovative, don't be rigid and be able to quickly adapt to fast-changing environment. It's very important to be able to achieve focus on result amongst every single team member. It's important that we have a definition of success in what company is seeking to achieve, which is which help us to have a clearer goal. In our company, we make sure that everyone knows that we develop software that should be in line with latest technology. It should allow operators to have experience that is fun, safe, and of the highest quality. So sometimes even you can put things on a very high level and it radiates your organization. And that should be what we have to achieve as a leaders. Thank you to Seren and to Robin. Finally, this episode, I spoke with Martina Akelund, CEO of Swedish betting operator Triggy. A week after the company exhibited in the US for the first time at the SBC event in New Jersey, I spoke with Martina in Barcelona at last week's WGES. I began by asking her about her first impressions of an industry she joined just 14 months ago. I love this industry. Coming from banking and finance, where it's like, how do you say, like a mature industry. It's only like cost cutting going forward. There are so many similarities between these industries. Of course, it's about user experience, it's about data, it's transactions, and it's regulated. I saw this when I when I started within sports betting and gaming, but now it's, it's really becoming clear. There's so many similarities, and we can see the same trends in the industries as well. But this industry, it's so much more like great relaxed people just being here as i started in the pandemic meeting the industry live many people i've met in in a digital format but meeting them live at an event like this i think it's amazing because people are open-minded uh friendly and it's the, the the market is so big so i don't feel the competition between companies because it's more of a sharing and caring it feels like so i love this industry but of course from a a gender perspective we can for sure do more and what i think the the positive things about it is that it's it's full of entrepreneurs and people that are self-made from my experience it's easier because they only look to the value that you add. They generally don't care your background, if you have a degree or not, if you have a doctor, your gender, your background, or which country you come from. It, it doesn't matter. So I think we have a lot of possibilities here. You think the people in the sector see that as clearly as you do, or do you think that maybe they think there are barriers there? Of course there are barriers, because I think that if you look to like the, the ads that I see, most people, there are most companies, they're looking for other people that are have 
experience from this industry. And of course, we don't have that many women that have the experience from this industry. And here you might be like, try to, to look a little bit outside of the box as I was recruited from banking and finance. And I'm coming with, I don't know the industry, but I know many other things that I can add. And good people, they tend to learn kind of quickly. Maybe you can find someone that ticks most of the boxes, but maybe getting to know sports betting is, is a part of how you can develop. But I think we have all the possibilities, really. Uh, and it's also, as, as a woman, I, I see if you come here to sports betting and gaming and, and you really have a good background, uh, maybe you don't know the industry, you will have almost more possibilities going forward because all the best companies right now, they are focusing on diversity. So you almost uh, are on the highway as a woman with the right competence. So you have, I um, think, a great future if you just uh, are able to like grab it. From your personal perspective, when a, a female CEO, whether that's yourself or whether it's Paris who, who's here today or whether it's Carolina Peltz or whoever starts to speak, they don't speak just as a CEO, they also speak as a female mm. leader. So do you feel welcome and responsibility? Do you want to inspire other women and young people, I guess, to, to move forward? And if so, how are you going to do that? This is my passion. <laughs> Besides working with Triggy and, and always love to do a good job, it's, it's I want to inspire other women. And, and I'm so inspired when I see so many others as well that are passionate about the same thing I am. So it's it's really important. And, and Paris and Carolina, they were like two of the first to like open me or welcoming me with like open arms. And now I try to, to lead by that example as well to help others and inspire because that's the best way we can do it, I think. And what does that mean in practice? I mean, what's the, what's the toolkit for that? Is that just you being visible and being yourself and being open? and just being a successful executive or are there other things are there other initiatives or other ways of reaching out or, or initiatives that you would support besides those things that you're mentioning also just like I'm mentoring uh, other other women uh, from outside of your from, business yes yeah, yeah. yeah but also like I'm always open for uh, advice or like take a lunch or a coffee or, or anything like that with other women and, and maybe some that are like uh, curious of the industry and I, I like uh, like to inspire others to see like the great things about this industry one of the challenges that that we have is like we're seen um, with maybe skeptical eyes it's tobacco it's weapons and it's it's gaming of course some people like warned me before before i i came to triggy to me that wasn't uh, like true at all and i'm so happy that i like took the chance and and to, to leave uh, and i would love other women to to do the same because it's it's so much fun the solution can't only come from those women mm. who are leading the way in inverted commas it has to come from across the sector right yeah, yeah. and there is you know the power structures that exist in a lot of business but particularly in gaming are male dominated even if those males don't act in a dominant way mm. nonetheless mm. The, the power structures are traditionally male a lot of those men in c-level roles well-intentioned support all of the things we talk about and mm. you talk about for those guys is being passive an option do we need more engagement because it seems that passivity is is not really an option well i think that the most successful companies going forward will be the diversified ones because otherwise you will you're too narrow-minded but, but some if, of the companies with the best diversity plans don't mm, necessarily have female execs but if if you start by okay we want to work on this uh, then you have to like on, on a c level you will have to like set demands on like the recruitment process i think like 
when you're recruiting someone, it's it's generally much easier to find uh, male competence. But recruiters are as many others. They want to do their work in an efficient way because then they make more money. Mm-hmm. But then you have to, as a client of the recruiters, like uh, demand more females. Mm-hmm. So okay, then the recruiter has to work a little bit more. But the female, the women, they are out there. Of it's course, just yeah. it's a little bit more difficult and it's a little bit more time consuming to find them. When when I started at Triggy, we were like getting a new board and ex- our first external board, and I really wanted a woman on the board. Uh, and of course, it's it took us plenty of time. We we interviewed so many, and I like we worked in our whole network. So as as a startup, we cannot afford mm-hmm. paying huge board recruitment bills. We have sure. to like work in our network, and it it took time. But of course, we found one. But just just it took more time. So so you have to like uh, on the C level when you're recruiting, you have to uh, actually demand more from a recruiter. I remember hearing at events from female speakers talking about these issues, and it being pointed out again and again that women were disinclined to apply for roles that they didn't feel qualified for, whereas men were more inclined to reach and to apply for roles. Is that changing? How do we stop that? How do you inspire those women to take the leap? Well, I think it's it's like two things that we can do. First, we can like look through the recruitment process. Like besides like finding like uh, women with the competence, but we also have to like look at how do we write our ads? What words are we using? And how are we describing the role? That's like the first part. Then it's like okay, how do we select the ones that we think uh, are? Sorry, because those ads and things can be inherently male in their time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. without anyone written well-intentioned people writing things that are unconsciously biased towards male candidates almost all of us are unconsciously biased we're not aware on the selections we're making and that's why we have to become more aware so then it's it's in the selection process which candidates are we meeting for an interview that's selection process and then it's in the interview who's the interviewer or the representative from the company and and what questions are you asking so now I'm I will be in in uh, if we're interviewing women to, to start a Triggy, I will be at all those uh, meetings because it's it's important to have that dialogue mm-hmm. from the beginning. And also you have to like continue this in, in the whole recruitment process. But then of course also at Triggy where we are 60, uh, 17 guys and me, next woman on board, she will have to feel welcomed. Uh, now yeah. these 17 guys are the most amazing ones, but that's also like in a company where you're trying to recruit more women. And you have to create an atmosphere where they yeah, also... Yeah, so disappointing the, the, the female as their peer is the beginning of change. But then also, from just to, to come back to your question, what women can do, I, I, I th- see a positive change. We like the, the younger generation of women. They are so much more getting what they want, which I think is wonderful to see. This will slowly happen, but of course we want to do everything to, to speed up the process for both men and women to be able to to be their best and, and grasp the opportunities. Thanks again to all contributors to this episode, to Francesco, Andy, Seren and Martina, as well as to James and Robin for asking the questions. So that's more or less it for 2021. iGaming FM will be back early in the new year as the sector looks forward to the return of ICE. I bet you never thought you'd look forward to it quite as much as you are. Hopefully we'll see you there, fit and well, and ready to go again. In the meantime, thanks for listening.